everybody, welcome to the guest segment of the Common Sense Show. Thank you so much for staying with us through the intro. Really good to have you back here. We have a terrific guest for you today, Jamie Walden, and we're going to explore a couple things. He was present in D.C. on the January 6th infamous date, and we're going to get his take on things. But I also want to spend some time on what he's been talking about a lot recently, which is defensive actions we're going to have to take. And I say we, meaning people who actually support this country, believe in the Constitution, believe in God, conservative values, believe in family, that uh, we may have to take some defensive actions, and Jamie's going to address that. But before we go to Jamie, we got to pay some bills. And we're brought to you by, in this segment... Well, the best durable food company in the world. And why do I say that? Because they are. They're the best priced, they're the most sales. Go to preparewithdave.com, you'll find that to be true. But the quality is good. I've tasted the quality. It is restaurant-style quality. I mean, it's actually very, very good. 25-year shelf life, 2,000 calories per day. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not paying attention, I'll just give you one fact. Bill Gates is now the largest owner of farmland in America. What could possibly go wrong, right? Your days of getting food are coming to an end. The dollar's in trouble, real trouble. The economy is in real trouble. Harry Dent says we're in the early stages of total meltdown and hyperinflation. When that happens, your ability to get anything is going to be in danger. And if you're short on the food end of things with what's coming up, you're going to be sorry. So please, please, if you don't buy from us, buy from somebody. But if you buy from us, go to preparewithdave.com. Additionally, ladies and gentlemen, you need to be concerned about water. The Naval War College says on the fifth day of a crisis, waterborne illnesses become the number one cause of death, and we want to help you avoid that. The Alexa Pure Pro water filter is generally considered to be the best water filter of its type out there. In fact, if you go to waterwithdave.com, they've got research to back that up. But more importantly, it's a great product, 40% off right now while supplies last. So we have the food, preparewithdave.com. We have the water, waterwithdave.com. And we hope that you take these warnings seriously, ladies and gentlemen. We're at a real pivotal point in history. Nothing is guaranteed. The just-in-time deliveries that keep the good products going to your stores, well, who knows how long that's going to last. So please take defensive action. In fact, that's going to be the theme of what we're going to talk about. Jamie, welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join us. Hey, Dave, thanks for having me on again, brother. It's always good to chat with you. Oh, it really is. we got to do this more often. I mean, it's, you, you, you have so much insight, and, and I, I kind of get secondhand reports from our mutual friend, Bob Griswold, and you're just so on top of things here. But uh, I'm really looking forward to this because Americans really have a hard time believing that they're going to be an endangered species, true Americans. But before we go there, I, I'd like to get your take on what you saw and what you're able to share about your January 6th experience in the nation's capital. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll go into some of the details, you know, that I feel comfortable with going. Um, I was out there with several other brothers. We felt prompted by the Lord, by brothers, I mean brothers in the Lord. Um, you know, we felt prompted to go out there and really pray and intercede for the nation. Um, just so, you know, I always set the record straight right off the bat. It's def I definitely wasn't out there out of any fleeting notions of patriotism or, you know, pro-Trump uh, uh, type of posture whatsoever. This has to do with right righteousness and justice ruling and reigning in the land. And when the wicked are in power, the people lament, right? But when the, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. And so we're actually out there uh, praying and, and interceding and, and really just contending for this nation, for the spirit of the nation. 
Um, we know that when these Democrats take power, um, as if they don't already have enough of a perversion bloodlust for, for the flesh of children and of innocence and the destruction of the family and the tearing down of all things that would lead to even a, a fleeting sense of morality or what we would consider Judeo-Christian values, uh, we absolutely know that as soon as they took power that they were going to go gangbusters. And sure enough, here we are, only, what, three months into it? And uh, they've gone gangbusters. Imagine that. You know, like I always tell people, I'm like, we, we ain't seen nothing yet, right? So we haven't seen anything yet. But, yeah, we, we were out there. It was actually there uh, by, the, by that uh, abomination of the phallic symbol of Nimrod there, praying on that thing, trying to push it over in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, you know, was there and, and was highly disenchanted with Trump's speech and what he had to say there. And then, you know, everybody shifted. I, I, by my estimates, I'd say there's about 1.2 million people there. So that right there refutes, refutes any mainstream media indicators of or, or their analysis of who was out there. And the only reason why I say that with any type of dogma veracity is because I was actually out there in, I don't know what it would have been, 1996 for the Million Man March on D.C. in 1996, and there was an authorized accounting of about 900,000 people there at that exact same spot. So I have a visual reference of seeing that area filled in with that many people, and I'd say we were at 1.2 million out there on January 6th. Um, so as everybody shifted up over to the Capitol, before we even got there, I got there at about 12.30, so this is before Trump has even done speaking. I went over to the, uh, the steps of the Capitol on the, I think it's the South Lawn facing you know the long, the long runway of grass all the way down to the obelisk, is there was already op for an Antifa type BLM ilk who were already um, surging and pushing against the police lines. It was a small group of about 100 guys, I'd say, right at the center. Um, there was already tear gas, smoke grenades, concussion grenades going off, and uh, nobody was even over there. Everybody was listening to Trump still. And these guys all, when, when I arrived there, uh, these guys all simultaneously looked at each other and they stopped what they were doing and they put on gas masks. They had on matching body armor, matching gear. Uh, they they were definitely unified in in their intent, unified in their in their modus operandi, what they were doing there. And uh, it didn't it didn't take me but 10 seconds. And the other guys I were with were prior military as well. And we said right away, we said these guys are trained op four. So for the listeners. Anybody who doesn't know what OP4 is, is their opposition forces. And that means that they're trained actually and used almost like in a, in a how, we, how we know and understand in our false flag paradigm as a crisis actor. So what OP4 does is they actually come in and they are trained on how to breach lines, how to exact a response from uh, riot control lines or civil unrest lines. They're actually trained to do what they do. And what's unique about opposition forces is that they go harder than a normal civilian would, who's just there out from a, natu a, a natural, organic, you know, move of a people against, uh, you know, what what would be considered like a riot control line. Um, these guys were overtly out for it. In fact, we stated it instantly um, when we arrived on the scene. So I've trained out for. I've trained. I've. I've been out for, and I have trained out for. I actually was a national instructor for the Marine Corps. I, I got to fly all around the country on a private Navy jet, um, training base after base, 
in these types of tactics called stability and support operations. So I knew exactly what I was looking at when I walked up on it. Um, also, what was what was horrifying was the uh, the the Capitol Police lines were. Um, I, I mean, I was I was horrified on their behalf when I walked up there and saw what they were dealing with. They were one to maybe two officers deep. They were probably 30% women, and all the other all the other uh, forces, the law enforcement officers. They were as wild-eyed and ill-equipped as I've ever seen. They didn't have shields. They didn't have face masks. They didn't have gas masks. They didn't have uh, any sort of large batons. They didn't have any type of riot control gear on. They were wearing bicycle helmets and sunglasses. And, and again, literally turning to my buddies, I said, oh, my goodness, these guys were put out here as cannon fodder. And uh, so the scene initially before trump was even done talking the scene there on the capitol steps was one of like a a very overt uh crap storm for lack of a better word and obviously we see how things played out and you know now hindsight being 2020 realizing that the whole thing probably from start to finish was a setup yeah um so it's your conclusion that these well-trained insurgents were there to breach the Capitol in an attempt to frame Trump supporters. Absolutely, hands down. I mean, unequivocally, and I'm not saying that because I'm I'm a Trump supporter. I'm actually not a Trump supporter. I, I I represent a monarchy and a king, and his name is Jesus, right? So, like, I don't say that as a Trump supporter. That supporter, I say that as a as a as a non-biased observer who happens to have the right eyes trained to see what I bore witness to. Here was here's what's intriguing about these these guys. I'll just call them op for whether they're Antifa, BLM, crisis actors. Who knows? You know, at the end of the day, who, we we can speculate all day long. I mean, I'm pretty confident I know who they are and who they are paid for. Uh, but but they were unified. That's what's that's the most unique thing is that they were unified. Um, they were like a bunch of scrubby uh, loser airsofter guys. Who, who had gone out and bought gear on Amazon uh, the week before, the cheapest low-end gear to try to look tactical, and showed up out there with just a plan to just go gangbusters against these guys. And here, here's what I think was going on, and, and this is where the Lord intervened, and this is kind of where my role in the whole thing out there played, is they eventually snatched up two of these um, Capitol Police officers and drug them over the lines and they pulled them into the center of their circle. And I, what I think was to monkey stomp them to death because it, it, I could tell right away that they were, they were doing everything possible, especially against these wild-eyed, you know, way outnumbered, fearful officers to get these officers to act or fire on the crowd. That, that was their sole intent. It was almost as if they didn't actually wanna breach the line. They wanted to push these guys to their limit uh, with fear and with violence to get them to react. So they, I, I was standing off to the side with my buddies. We weren't anywhere near, you know, ed, participating or active in any of the, any of the stupidness. I mean, that's not what we were there for. We were there to pray. But I, I happened to be about, I don't know, just standing off to the side, and I saw them snatch up two of the Capitol Police officers and pulling over their lives and drag them into the center of their crowd and start working these guys with. Um, just demonic violence, for lack of a better word. 
And obviously that's when my background kicks in. Anybody who doesn't know me, I have a background in Marine Corps infantry, law enforcement, federal law enforcement, worked with the U.S. Marshal's Office. I've been a municipal uh, police officer. I'm a paramedic. I'm a firefighter paramedic. I'm a rescue technician. So um, I, I've done disaster relief all around the, all around the world. I currently do some um, filming and stuff, expeditionary type stuff for a TV show and, you know, travel around and, and teach and speak and do these things. So anyways, that's my background, right? Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So my training kicked in and when I saw him lay hands on this cop, I, I immediately started charging through without hesitation, uh, throwing blows on guys and uh, snatched up these cops by their body armor because I'm just, I mean, that when you see a man go down, especially in the military, you're, you're going to fight to the death for him. So... I grabbed him by his body armor and started dragging him back towards his police lines as he's half unconscious, radios hanging off of him, handcuffs are being kicked around the ground. Uh, I mean, they were working the snot out of this guy. And, uh, and, and so then the Antifa guy started working me. And uh, I just kept dragging him by his body armor up the steps of the Capitol towards the police lines. But as soon as I got towards the police lines, all they saw was a guy laying hands to a police officer so then so then i got this not beat out of me from the capitol police too so I, I i got the beat down of a lifetime and pepper sprayed and and riot control sprayed and bruises up and down my back and legs and everything else like that until i i, I turned over and was yelling at him that you know i'm blue i'm blue i'm blue like i'm i'm police officer i'm trying to help your guy and they finally realized i was trying to help them and they opened their ranks and let me drag them behind their police lines um so that at that point, I was standing on the top steps of the Capitol with the Capitol Police. So now I'm actually in the ranks with the Capitol Police, and I turn around and I'm facing the masses of people, and, and in particular this core group of, you know, 50 to 100 Antifa guys uh, that that are the only ones, literally the only ones out of everybody there creating any problems. The only ones was this small group of cohesive moron you know, demonically inspired, uh, whatever. I got all kinds of words for him. Um, and I stood up there with the Capitol police and basically, uh, uh, preached a rebuke against them and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, told them that they're not going to lay hands on any officers and that's not what we're here for. And that's not what we represent. And these guys are doing their job, blah, blah, blah. So these Antifa guys instantly go F you, then we're going to murder you. We're going to kill you. You know, and they kind of went into that whole thing. So, Anyways, some more brawling and ensued, and finally, you know, they were way overpowering, and I just backed off to the side where I'd been in the first place. So, I know that's oh. a long-winded kind of Cliff Notes version, but at the end of the day, um, I don't know. I can only speculate, but I think their objective was to kill a cop, to make the cops fire on the people, so then they could justify a, a tenfold demonization of white conservative male Christians than what they have today. So for I know, because we were there praying and interceding, the Lord stopped that act of wickedness that they were trying to achieve. That's an amazing story. There are allegations out there that uh, there is evidence that Capitol Police were compromised, open barriers to allow these insurgents in to further the mayhem they were designed to create. Did you see anything that would suggest that's true? Yeah, yeah, we saw that, and we actually asked about it. We actually talked to cops offside about it. You know, I'm pro-law enforcement. I'm, I'm pro-lawfulness. I'm completely anti-lawlessness because the Lord is anti-lawlessness. And uh, 
we we did see it like i said it was it was it was very overt how thin their lines were how ill-equipped they were how wild-eyed they were i did see capitol police officers remove barricades and say that you can come up here you can come this way um, I saw them directing the traffic of the masses of what would be, you know, Trump supporters. I don't even want to, I don't even want to call them Trump supporters. I, I would say half the people there were Trump supporters. The other half were there because they just want our nation to be ruled by justice and goodness, right? Uh, it had nothing to do with Trump. It was just, it was just basic. They want good things to occur in their nation. Well, and, let uh, let me share so with I, you so what. I absolutely uh, did bear witness to that, and and I and I I was I couldn't piece it together and I again talking to my buddies there I said look I because we're watching you know we're just standing back watching this thing and I go look they just got the stand down order so I saw a couple couple of what would be their officers who are in no riot control gear who are in nothing standing back behind the lines and you you'd see them get a command and then go over and tap the leader of the of the control line and then they would they would just part they just parted the they parted their control lines and let everybody through so I watched that happen in real time. That is just an amazing account. Um, what did the officers who let you in and realized you were a supporter, what do they feel about the officers who compromised their office, their position, to allow these thugs to breach the Capitol? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to know and understand. You know, I... I I mean, just another detail, like as I as I drag that that Capitol Police officer back up the lines, you know, I saw that his radio, his handcuffs and his badge were being kicked around on the ground in the scrum pile fray that was going on. And so as, as soon as I, I got him up and through, you know, his ranks and I, I could see that the Antifa guys didn't realize that stuff was on the ground because I had the vantage point. And so I literally had to charge back in, throwing blows to grab his gear because I knew now they could use that to exploit, you know, to exploit the Capitol or to exploit the Capitol Police. So I got my hands on the badge and the radio and, uh, you know, took some more blows for it, but got it back up to the police lines and handed it. I could tell who was in charge of their, their riot control line, you know, and, and was like, here, you guys lost a badge. You lost a radio. Make sure these guys don't get their hands on it. Um, so what I could see from this, so my van, I can't speak to anything that I didn't see. So all I saw was the guys who were, who were maintaining the lines and they looked like they had been thrown out there as cannon fodder. I mean, they were, they were the most wild eyed I'd ever seen an individual. And I've been in combat zones and, uh, and these guys, you could tell, like they thought it was going to be their last day on earth. I Do you mean, think they, they were they drug were, induced like with meth or something like that? No, I think they were actually legitimately scared to death. I think they got put out there not knowing who, what, where, when, why, and they were just told to go out there, and they were, I, I actually, speculation, this is speculation, ladies and gents, I think that they were put out there to be overrun and to be hurt badly for the optics. I think it was all set up from the optics, whether or not their leaders were complicit. Uh, I got to imagine they had to have been, because... Because there's no leader who would put their troops out there and risk that. None. Nobody would do that to their to their officers. What so, you would think, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, unless it was unless it was intentional, you know. 
But anyways, that's what we saw there. So where, where does that take, you know, to me what that, and, and by the way, you know, the follow-up is that five days from then, the FBI came to my house. Amazing. Not the Antifa guys, not the BLM guys, not the CNN, you know, uh, uh, paid reporter, not the subcontractor CNN reporter who literally walked through the entire Capitol filming everything, including Babbitt being shot in the neck. Not that guy. The FBI did not show up at his house. They showed up at my house, a former law enforcement officer, a Christian, a, pe a preacher, a teacher, a guy who's there praying and interceding, did not do one thing, went nowhere near inside that Capitol whatsoever, you know, literally only was there to happen to be there to respond and act to save two Capitol Police officers' lives. They showed up at my door and were investigating me. So that, ladies and gents, ought to testify to the lateness of the hour of where we're at. The demonization, the vilification, and, and what's going to be our ultimate um, destruction is already so far down the prophetic timeline that it would make your head spin. I mean, when we listen to the neurolinguistic phrases that they're using in our mainstream media and from our elected officials and our government officials, not to mention all the, all the different media, you know, Hollywood, music industry shills, we are actually living in 1939 Germany. And like what I keep telling everybody, you know what comes after 1939? 1940. And you do have a yellow cross pinned upon your chest. It's just been done digitally. So we need to read the handwriting on the wall and know and understand that this is what's happening. Side note, I, I go on a lot of tangents, but I spoke out in Ohio about two weeks ago. Uh, the pastor whose church I spoke at, after I spoke there, FBI showed at his house, showed up at his house the next What day. possible reason could they have to do that? And what could they have said to him? Exactly. What possible reason could they have? Other than he's a prior combat veteran and he's a pastor and a preacher with a platform. I'm a prior combat veteran. I'm a pastor and a preacher and a Christian with a platform. That's that's the I'm starting to connect the dots slowly but surely as I realize who they're coming for. That is just uh, it's it's I'm almost speechless that I'm hearing this, but the uh, anti-Christian rhetoric is incredible. Let me share with something with you across the board away from the FBI, but with federal law enforcement. I have a very good source. And this source has actually gone public, but anonymously so for obvious reasons. And they have caught Antifa people in places like Portland. And they have caught them with pipe bombs and also in MAGA gear or carrying MAGA gear or carrying copies of the Constitution, which would link them to being Trump supporters and uh, right wing constitutionalists, so to speak. And they turn them over to the proper authorities. Usually it's ATF first because of the pipe bombs. And then they're processed at the FBI, and the FBI releases them. And if they're on the terrorist watch list, which some of these people have been that have been apprehended, then they're taken off the terrorist watch list. The FBI is complicit in terrorism on the streets of America. And I'm saying that right here, right now, based on inside information I've gotten from two sources. 
Yeah, you know, and that that's something I really struggle with because, like I said, I, I'd always been working to operate at that at the federal law enforcement level because I believe in it, you know, or I did anyways to say. So, you know, that's why I, I went the route I went. I was going to Naval Academy, went to the Marine Corps, you know, got my degree, made sure I got it summa cum laude and graduated number one and was stacking the deck, you know, to, to make sure that I could get into these agencies because I, I – I actually do have a, a, maybe a faulty altruistic understanding of a greater good, you know, and 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 maybe I'm Pollyanna in that way, but that's why I wanted to operate at the at those levels. So, you know, I I understand I to a degree I under, I I have somewhat of an understanding for these agents that are just you know uh, uh, burning through shoe leather, knocking on doors because they're following orders. And I get it. Here, here's what people need to know and understand: for the eight, for the for the mainstream agents from whatever agency they're from. You and I have mutual friends that 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 we know of that are in different three little agencies and stuff like that. Is generally they are altruistic, and generally they they actually are trying to do the right thing. But it's the top tier leadership that is yes. given them the mandate. Let's and be honest. People, uh, uh, let me pull it right out there before you finish. Christopher yep. Ray, I'll say it. You don't have to say it. I'll say it. Christopher Ray. Yep. And 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 here's what people need to know and understand is, is when you get to that level, because I haven't. Again, we have a lot of mutual friends that are at that level. It has cost you by that point in your life ten to twelve years of investment. It's cost you board upon board, panel upon panel, testing upon testing, vetting upon vetting. It's highly highly prestigious. It's a big deal to achieve that level, to achieve that title, you know, or that nomaker of special agent or, or whatever agency you go into and the nomaker that, or the, the, what, they, what they attach to your name. And so for these guys, I'm telling you just because I know. So I'm like, I'm actually great. I'm, I'm gracious towards them. It just ticks me off. They're, they have so much to lose that they, that they won't push back against their leadership and go, wait, wait, what are we doing here? What do we actually represent? What do we actually stand for? We are law enforcers. We are not lawless. We are to stand, you know, we have taken an oath. We have sworn to, to do these things for the betterment of our nation. We're servants. We're sacrificial servants. But instead they're going, man, I, I, I don't want to go back to being a beat cop in some podunk town. Or, man, I have too much invested at this level. There's no way I'm going to sacrifice that for some other guy's family who I don't know. So that's it at the end of the day, which is what they anticipate is that these these uh, uh, while they're unaware they are being drawn into a brown shirt type of ideology while they're yet unaware and what it always boils down to is my family versus their family I don't know you and your family I'll follow any orders it takes to preserve mine and unfortunately that's what it boils down to so you see this this um, uh, House Assembly Bill 655 they're passing in California uh, the the Law Enforcement Accountability Act where they're actually barring, or they haven't quite passed it yet, but they want to bar any police officers in California from serving as a police officer if they have ever engaged in any hate group activity. Hate group activity is defined as conservative Christian uh, rhetoric or biblical truths. So if you believe in, in uh, two genders, if you believe marriage is between a man or a woman, if you believe in the mutability of the word of the Lord, if you believe in you know, you're anti-LGBT, whatever the case is, they're saying you will be barred from participating in law enforcement. So what they're doing, ladies and gents, 
is they are stacking the deck of law enforcement with people who are lawless, with people who do not have a moral compass, who have no qualms about coming against you and your family and your household, who will follow orders and and uh, to the death at whatever cost because they're specifically purging anybody who has any type of moral convictions and they're stacking the deck with those who have none. Well, the one thing that I would say is we're looking at the construction of the brown shirt enforcement force. Absolutely. And in your 1939 analogy is perfect. And, and this is a subject that's all too familiar with me because on my father's side of the family, they were refugees from Germany at this time. So the stories were infamous and I grew up hearing them. And, and, and this is why I'm quick to recognize it. But what bothers me and what I'd like you to comment on is why is America so slow to see the tyranny that's right there in their face? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And, and here, and, and I, you know, I don't know. I'll elucidate on that because I, because I think about it pretty often. And here's the reason why. It's very simple. The reason why is comfort. That's the reason why. It's comfort. I have too much to lose, and actually, this is one of the this is one of the um, I guess the the strategic tactics that the Luciferian elite know and understand about the middle class, is they have too much to lose, and so they can push and push and push and push, and they'll never respond and they'll never they'll never push back because they have too much to lose. See the 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 uh, um, lower cl class or lower income, they have nothing to lose, and the upper upper class has nothing to lose no matter what. It's only the middle class who have everything to lose. And so as soon as you step up or stand out or speak out or do whatever the case is, you will lose everything. And so even as something so simple as as abiding by the the, the ridiculousness of the faulty science and the mass mandate and the forced vaccinations in America, even a patriotic middle-class American, they will go along to get along so long as they can retain some semblance of the normalcy of the comfort that they get to have. So they don't care if you, I got kicked out of a restaurant yesterday because they wanted my kids to put a mask on to walk six feet to the table. And I said, you're out of your stinking mind. I said, the table's right there. He goes, you have to wear a mask, sir. You have to wear a mask. And I go, we, I absolutely not, will not subject my children to, to your traumatic mind control-based tactics. And he goes, it's not mind control, sir. And I go, well, we'll be leaving. You know, so, so most people, are, they would say, it's fine, whatever. I'll wear a mask this six feet so long as I get to keep eating in the restaurant that I like. And so, so what, it, what it actually boils down to is people are lovers of self. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, right? They, they're proud, they're boastful, they're arrogant. They're, they're like the Laodicean church age. It's, it's a spirit of the age. The spirit of the age is narcissism. The spirit of the age is self-indulgence. It is self-validation. It is virtue signaling. The spirit of the age is actually a lover of self. So why would they ever push back, no matter what the costs are? Well, for a lot of federal law enforcement, what I hear from them, I say, why do you keep serving Satan? And your leaders are satanic. And their answer is, I'm only two years away from retirement. Yep. Hear that all the time. I hear that all the time. It's, it is pension, it's which comes back to comfort. So that's what I boil it down to is it's pension-based. I, I saw that in the different um, organizations that I've been a part of is that every single thing was centered on that pension. It was like 
a golden carrot being dangled in the face of all men at all times, of all leadership, to do whatever it took, no matter how compromised they were, and no matter how far it went against their convictions, that pension and the idea of reduced cost of healthcare is what they all are willing to um, actually would would put you on boxcars for in order to retain that pension. And that's what I and that's why I say at the end of the day, their their mentality is it's my family or your family. I'm always going to preserve my family. And so it's yeah. it's really simple, really. When you think about it, it, it's the simplicity of the carnality of man. It's it's the simplicity of the psychology and sociology of men. It's my family versus yours. I'm going to carry out orders so that I can go home today to my family and they're not under threat of persecution. And 18 and 19 year olds don't have as much to lose, but the Pentagon is now working on them as they have announced that they're invoking an anti-conservative, anti-Trump supporter, anti-Christian platform. And they're indoctrinating their soldiers saying, if you participate in these activities, you're gonna get court-martialed. Are you familiar with this? I, 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 am familiar, I am familiar with that, and like I said, that's also what they're trying to do at the local level with law enforcement. So you and I talked off air about, you know, I, I, was, I was on the U.S. National Holocaust Museum's website the other day, and they have these, these watchdog groups. They're global. They're these NGO watchdog groups that look for the warning signs of impending genocide. Okay, this is, this is their official stance. So they have the, these algorithms that they plug in sociological, economic, governmental, geostrategic, militaristic, rhetoric, ideological things that are going on in nations or in people groups around the world. They throw it into this computer system and it spits out when, when there is an impending genocide that's about ready to take place, right? So they have these warning signs of impending genocide. When you go to, their, to the U.S. National Holocaust Museum and these NGOs and you look at their at their warning signs of their algorithm, we here in the United States of America have checked every single box in the last three months. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, I probably have written a dozen articles along those lines too. Um, I, I hear what you're saying and I, I've looked at uh, Cohen's eight stages of genocide, we match that by every measure. You know, one of the things, and then I want to get to the concealment part of this, but I wanted to just get your reaction to one thing, is we know the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals recently said, you do not have the right to conceal carry or open carry a firearm. So they've effectively gutted about half of the Second Amendment with one fell swoop. And I know you're probably familiar with the University of Hawaii Democide Project, that looked at 16 genocides in that 20th century and they were all preceded by gun confiscation. Do you think we're close to being the 17th nation? Yeah, here, here's, here's a way I see and understand it in our, in our nation. I am familiar with that, that University of Hawaii study on democide, you know, and, and we, here's a particular side note tangent, which I'm really good at tangents. Particular side note is they were actually all preceded by uh, nationalized health care and then through healthcare and through the greater good of the society, through quote unquote healthcare, came gun confiscation. Every single one of them. Yeah, and Every we're doing the same thing was, now. Your doctor is now going to be first. required to report you. Yep, it was healthcare, and then the gun confiscation came through a back door through the healthcare. So you know, we saw we saw them working hard at that infrastructure with Obamacare. That was the sole purpose of Obamacare besides gutting the middle class, which is what we see going on. Now, this is 
that the death nail in the coffin is this coronavirus is to strip away uh, any any form of of independence and, and the ability to be entrepreneurial and earn an income and be self-sustaining. You cannot be self-sustaining in, in the globalistic Luciferian government that they need to erect. You must be dependent on them for all things, right? Hence, the slow passive rollout of a universal basic income through COVID, through your COVID hush money that you're getting every month. This is a universal basic income being rolled out in real time. Again, while you're unaware, like a like a frog in a pot of boiling water. Well, but the gun confiscation thing in America, um, I don't. I personally don't think they'll ever get to the point where they can actually confiscate them, where they'll go door to door. They'll do their best, but I think what they're anticipating is is more so the demonization of guns and in the dry up of ammo so that they're just paperweights which is one of the things that they've been doing and so they'll pass the legislation they'll get a couple million uh americans to hand over their guns willingly and then they'll do a buyback and then they'll do a they'll make it illegal and so they'll have the processes that they always have over any uh communistic takeover which by the way whenever you hear the word communism or socialism just insert luciferianism because Karl Marx is the one that told you that that's what it's all about is the worship of Lucifer. But um, I, I don't know if they'll ever get to the point of door to door confiscation. What I do see coming next, though, and, and you you hinted at this, is a a massive purge or pressure, a purge by default because of the pressure being put on all manner of law enforcement or, or agency employees who are not going to toe the line with their agenda. And so what they'll do is they will have in place the uh, the, the kind of the, the the more sycophant individuals that uh, you know use that power and they use that badge or they use that authority to assert themselves over the next individual rather than serving them. Wow, uh, I, I can't find fault with what you're saying because the people I talk to inside of DHS, DEA, Border Patrol all say what you just said they recognize it lock stock and barrel that is a uniform comment you can count on when you talk to people from these agencies and they see it and uh, some of them right now I talk to are preparing for alternative careers they know they're not going to make it to retirement they're not willing to do the things they need to do to keep their job so they're preparing to exit the profession and really they're two of them I know are learning to live off the land because they said Hey, look, I could be prevented from working because of my views, so I need to learn to live off the land. And uh, this kind of dovetails into what um, we had talked about briefly the other day on the phone, and that's uh, the fact that some people need to be prepared to go underground. Can you address that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, looking at the uh, looking at the handwriting on the wall, you know, all we have to do is listen to, you know, New York Times articles and, and their neurolinguistic phrases that they're – that they're painting people as domestic terrorists or insurrectionists or fundamentalists or a systemic risk or a science denier. You know, you look at quotes from Bill Maher saying that it's the Christians are the reason for January 6th and New York Times op-ed said it's the Christians who are responsible for the spread of coronavirus. You know, the FBI training manual, which we all say come out a couple years ago that the number one threat to US security from religious extremism is evangelical Christianity uh, not the fact that a Syrian uh, Muslim just shot up everybody in Boulder. That doesn't matter, right? We see the cancel culture and the, the digital book banning that's coming on, and, and they're, they're chomping at the bit to pass this Equality Act to, 
to uh, uh, not just demonize, but to actually criminalize anybody who believes in the Bible and to criminalize the Bible actually itself, you know? I mean, there was a columnist, uh, Nick Cohen in The Guardian, he recently said, it's only a matter of time before we turn on the unvaccinated. And he's, he's calling for a demand, he's demanding the government punish the unvaccinated. And by the way, he only associates the unvaccinated with extreme religious elites who, who won't believe in the superior works of men and science over the commands of God. Quote, unquote. Yeah, well, first of all, <laughs> um, I used to teach uh, research. was one of the things I taught at the university level. And we used medical modeling, and I know the process very well. So to that man, Cohen, I would say this. You are grossly ignorant, sir, and or you're just an absolute satanic liar. The reality is this. No medicine has ever come to fruition of a serious nature, no treatment, without animal testing before human testing. Well, they didn't do that here because I believe they didn't want eyes on the process to see really what's going on with the vaccine. So they skipped the animal testing. And to Cohen, I would say this to you, you're the animal. Enjoy your yeah, walk. Enjoy absolutely. your walk. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's, I'm just trying to give context for the listeners for, for, the things that we're talking about, you got, you have to have context for it because otherwise you just go, well, it, it sounds awfully sensationalistic. It sounds awfully, you know, alarmist or whatever the case is. And it's like, it's really not. And in fact, it's just prudent. Jamie, it is, it is sensationalist and it is alarmist because we're talking genocide. Yep. Yeah. And, and so, and so being prudent, we, we need to take the proper precautions. I mean, you think about the, the different um, families throughout Germany, you know, and, and Poland and beyond and into France, and they saw the handwriting on the wall, and it took prudence and preparation. Same thing with their underground railroad with uh, the, sleeves, the slaves fleeing their democratic uh, overlords in the south trying to get up north. It takes infrastructure. It takes prudence. It takes networking. It takes operating with a gray man posture. I mean, it, it takes establishing a concentric circles of networking and knowing uh, who's who and where can you go and how can you go and where can you be fed and watered and refit and rearmed and safe, you know, and where can you be provided for and refreshed? Who's friendly? Who's foe? How do you move through different areas, you know, that are hostile? How do you conduct business in hostile territory? How do you buy and sell? We know the time's coming when you're not going to be allowed to buy and sell. We know one of the reasons for the for the immunity passport and for the forced vaccination, like Cohen's article was just saying, is to demonize the unvaccinated who, because they fear the Lord, are not going to inject themselves with nanotech, aborted fetal tissue type of, of poisons that are an anathema to the Lord God Most High. They're not going to destroy the temple that they know the very spirit of Christ Jesus who bought them with his precious blood has chosen to indwell. They're not going to do that. So so they're, they're setting the stage now. So again, this takes prudence. I mean, you see, you've seen that article in, in California about their proposed curriculum where they're, they're going to be chanting and basically channeling through necromancy the ancient Aztec gods of human sacrifice and cannibalism. Why, says the author, the author of this article says because white Christians have committed theocide, theocide, white Christians have done this around the world, and now it is time for a counter-genocide to displace the white Christian culture. They are, these are the guys who are writing the curriculum 
for elementary school kids in California. This is insane, right? So again, prudence says that it requires infrastructure. It requires networking. It well, requires logistics and, and the girding up the loins of our mind. It requires a, sing, a singleness of mind and a focused mindset. It requires growing our roots down deep into into the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we don't fear these things coming on. It requires prayer. It requires an, an authentic network of people who who share in their desire to see light and righteousness and good things rule and reign in the land, right? So all these things need to be taking place ahead of time. We need to be doing yeah. a thorough and uh, accurate threat assessment. Uh, right? I, I hear what you're it's saying, Jamie, but I think there's another way I look at this too. And I, and I don't disagree with what you're saying because I think I'm, I'm moving this to another level here. But um, I started thinking about why white people are being vilified. I know why Christians are because the globalists want zero population or actually they want negative population growth and transsexuals and homosexuals, they don't reproduce. So that, that speaks to me why they honor those lifestyles to the exclusion of heterosexuals and malign the family as family privilege and so forth. But why white people? And I started thinking about this and right or wrong or indifferent, the power structure of this country historically and still is to a large extent white people. Now, of course, it's more inclusionary now than it's ever been, but white people still form the basis of wealth, decision-making, political power, corporate power in this country, leaders of the military. And if you're gonna take a country down and destroy the culture, and we're going through cultural destruction right now, you also have to go after the power structure, which are the white people. That's why I think they're targeted. I wrote an article to this effect and I said, but you people who are Hispanic and Asian and African-American, Native American and so forth, I said, be patient because when they're done with us, they're gonna get around to you too. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And and it's part of a, a conquering strategy. Like I've, I've been a part, I have been on the other end of being a, a conqueror, right? And actually going in and overthrowing a nation. And, and one of the first things we would do, if by the way, if people don't know, I was, I was in a sergeant in the Marine Corps, I was a platoon sergeant in the infantry doing some high-speed stuff for the ground war in Iraq in 2003. So actually taking Baghdad, taking the country. And what we would instantly do is go and depose the, the leadership, and we would depose the infrastructure. Now, our, in, in our stance, we're a little bit different than, a true, the, than the true nature of a conquering army. We were a mix of liberators more than anything. But historically, whenever a, a conquering army comes into an area, not only do they overthrow it by militaristic force, but they force assimilation and they force a, a degeneration of the long-held culture and beliefs. Look at all of Central and South America. If you were caught speaking your native dialect and not Spanish, you were put to death. If you were caught wearing your native garb or any type of jewelry or adornments, you were put to death. If you were caught speaking anything other than what the uh, Catholic Church had had uh, um, told the, the local dialects to speak or to do or to worship or say, they were put to death. They Think of the power and the force and the wickedness it takes to force an entire population with all kinds of diversity to conform to a whole new way of life. The Spanish have done it. The Romans did it. 
The French did it to a short degree. The English did it as they colonized areas to a short degree. And now what we're seeing in this nation is a Luciferian elite doing it to the American experiment. It's the same thing, but they're coming at the American people and they will force, come hell or high water, a, a reworking and an assimilation by force to to uh, get you to come under their 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 boot, for lack of a better word. Well, they're doing it at the border right now. You talk about assimilation. The, the estimates are, from the Border Patrol people I've talked to, they've run the numbers privately, and they're not sharing it with their uh, superiors who are tied to Biden's people. But they believe that they're going to see 200,000 people a month cross our border. That's forced assimilation. It, it is. And, and what they're trying to do is, and this was what was going on under the Obama regime. And, and again, it's, it's, here's one thing that I really struggle with is, is people still are under the mindset that our elected leaders are foolish, idiotic dopes that are so dumb they can barely tie their own shoes and they, you know, blah, 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 blah. They're very, very dismissive because they don't understand uh, the martial methods of warfare. These people are not that. On the complete opposite end of the spectrum, they are highly charged, demonically influenced uh, individuals that have special knowledge. They're adepts at mystery religions and occultic practices. They have the world's leading psychologists and sociologists and neurologists. They have technologies that would make your head spin if you knew and understood. These people know exactly what they're doing with every word, with every tick, with every little optic, with every neuro-linguistic phrase that they put forward to you. And this is full-scale scorched earth policy warfare that they're enacting against the American populace. So any little thing about nationalism, borders, national identity, patriotism, insurrectionists, domestic terrorists, white nationalists, white Christian, white male, all these things are designed, because listen, who's telling you all that stuff? Rich white men are the ones telling you that. That's what's insane. Is it's no, they're the puppets. White they're, men they're... are the ones demonizing men, white male men in America, because they're taking you somewhere, and they have been promised a seat at the table. Exactly. So they want to see you all be massacred, but they themselves will be spared because they're servants of of uh, of an enemy far greater than what they will not be like. spared because they are clearly, clearly, the brown shirts. Jamie, we didn't even get to underground going gray and so forth. We had just a brief mention of it. I got to have you back in the near future. We have to explore this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's a big deal, and yeah, the reason is. why is because it, there's there's a paradigm it, there's a paradigm shift that has to occur, and we actually be, we need to start training ourselves and putting into practice these things now because it takes a while to really. To really kind of, and Jamie, we got to hold that here because we are flat out of time. Um, But I just want to say, I'll be in contact with you off air because we need to set up a part two. We've got to do the underground thing that's really important. Uh, Very quickly, in about 15 seconds, how can people follow you? Yeah, they they can see uh, some of my work or purchase my book at omegadynamics.org, and uh, they can follow me online and in other ways through some different social means. So, yeah, I'm out there doing stuff. You can get a hold of me if you need to. Okay, and watch your text messages, my friend, because we've got to cover the underground part. But this was very insightful. Great job. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on, Dave. Take care.